This is the Unresolved Podcast. My name is Evan Chastine, and again, I am here with Brian and Dara. Thank you guys for allowing me to be part of this. Uh, this has been really fun, and I'm looking forward to recording this episode. Absolutely. Thanks, Evan. This has been a lot of fun. Again, with the three of us, it's been a good dialogue to kind of just shoot the breeze together and talk pain and, and uh, figure it all together. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. So this episode, uh, our goal here is to give you guidance on how to reduce your pain and begin to regain your life. Yeah, we wish there was one magic pill, exercise, or intervention that would be the cure-all solution. But by now you have learned that there's no quick fix. Instead, there are generally three main phases that you'll need to progress through to not only get out of pain, but to ultimately enjoy your active life again. What are these three phases? Thanks, Dara. Um, so yeah, definitely there's there's three phases here. Uh, and this just goes into general guidelines or structure for anyone who's in any type of pain. So neck pain, back pain, nerve symptoms. And usually, again, Dara, you know, they're coming to us with kind of unceasing pain. Things are just not getting better. It's hanging out there. It won't go away. And it's just kind of just constantly going, right? It's this unresolved pain. So nicks, necks here and there, no big deal. We're talking about unresolved chronic pain where the pain is continuing on. Um, it's been also cleared by your doctor in terms of medical pathologies and cancers and tumors. We're assuming and hoping that stuff is not there, although we'll screen that stuff out. But by the time people come and get to see us in this kind of unresolved pain state, um, there's kind of three general phases of how to approach them as opposed to just, hey, you know, we're going to do a certain procedure, exercise or dry needling. Uh, we want to really assess where the person's at, um, where the kind of stage of pain they're at. Uh, typically, their pain is more unceasing. And so... The, the, the first phase we're going to talk about is, is cutting the edge off someone's pain, just like cutting the edge off. It's like, like let's, let's kind of get to calm down. The second phase is getting a hold of it. So once it's kind of calmed down a bit, we can kind of get it under control. How do you really grab hold of it to, to gain ownership and actually start making changes where you actually are living without pain or intermittent pain? And then the third phase is simply to kind of just uh, move forward and start thriving. How do you start living life in a way that you can start enjoying again and not just yeah. be in fear you're going to be in pain, um, so I think most people coming to us are just more uh, focused on like, hey, can I get rid of this pain first? But we're already thinking by the time we're assessing them, how do we get out of pain? But where can we go with this to make them not only feel better subjectively or, or experientially wise, but how can we get them living and moving and living life again to take care of the kids, play golf, go for a run? How can we maximize their potential? We're already thinking about that in the very first visit, not just, hey, let's get rid of your pain and then we'll kind of figure it out later. We're already creating a roadmap when we do that. So. In this podcast, same idea, we're going to kind of give this three-tier uh, phases of, of how we approach someone's pain uh, patterns. So let's talk about the, the first phase, which is cutting the edge off your pain. And we just give you the analogy, I think we talked about this before this podcast started, uh, this analogy of like a, um, a campfire blowing, a, you know, a, a bringing fire, bonfire at the beach and stuff like that. But imagine someone had a, a lighter fluid and pouring lighter fluid on the campfire and someone tried to put a blanket and try to put the campfire out, right? It's like yeah. someone's annoying kid, you know, has got lighter like, look at this, right? And they're like, they're like, will you stop doing that? I'm trying to put the fire out. No, this it blows up in the air, right? So that's the same analogy of by the time people get to see us, they're in so much pain, they don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. They might be doing the right thing to try to get rid of their pain, but there's just something that just keeps blowing something to kind of stimulate the pain patterns, basically. So what we're trying to do is simply just cut the edge off it, right? So what happens there is we're going to simply ask you is to pull your notes out on uh, your movement story, hopefully in the early podcast or if you read the book on Unresolved, uh, we had you guys write some notes down. So this is kind of, this episode starts bringing back further episodes or previous episodes we had. So hopefully if this is the first episode you've learned, listened to, um, we take we encourage you to, to listen to the previous episodes as well because it'll make more sense. 
Uh, so in previous episodes, we talked about your narrative story and we asked you to write some, some th- key things down about your pain. So let's say your pain in your back, your pains in your shoulders, something where your, your primary pain is at. And it's the one that's really nagging you, the reason why you probably go see somebody, the one you're concerned about. And we asked you uh, simply what your aggravating factors are, your easing factors, and then your 24-hour pattern. What that tells us, your aggravating factors, let's say you have shoulder pain, is when you sit there for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, uh, your, your shoulder starts hurting, your neck starts hurting. Um, when you start lifting boxes, you know, certain things that, that cause the pain, that's where your aggravating factors are throwing a baseball, playing golf, uh, lifting your child, standing or washing dishes. Those are all considered aggravating factors. Easing factors are the ones that are the ones that calm your pain down. Most people say, I'm in pain all day long, and maybe you are, but there's a lot of times just lying down or changing activity or just moving changes your pain. That gives us clues of what your pain patterns are as well. So uh, take note of those. And then we talked about 24-hour patterns of meaning like what happens first in the morning, mm-hmm. what happens in the day, what happens when you sleep. So we talked about before in summary of if morning pain, when you first wake up in the morning, you have really ceasing, uh, unceasing pain. That's more inflammatory in nature versus someone who's in pain, uh, not too bad in the morning, but as the day goes on, the pain gets worse in the day. Um, that pain tells us that you're more uh, inefficient in your body. Your muscles aren't strong enough. Your joints are stiff. Um, it's more of a wear and tear as the day goes on, you're getting pain as opposed to a crazy inflammatory pain in the first of the morning. Uh, but sleeping patterns also show us different things as well. So what we're going to ask you to do is simply just think about who you are, where your pain's at, what those aggravating factors are and easing factors, and really think about what you can do to actually cut the edge off that. Um, so Dar, actually, you want to actually articulate or expand on that. That'd be great. Yeah, and, and this is the kind of topic I bring up. Um, I was telling you, Brian, earlier, before I started working at Motion, I really didn't focus on this and really have noticed that defining that aggravating factor is crucial because we want to decrease it immediately so that we can start getting the patient on the road to recovery. So if a patient comes and tells me I start to have pain when I walk more than 10 minutes, then I tell them right away. So let's decrease that aggravating factor and let's limit your walking to less than five minutes each day um, because the pain onset is at 10 minutes Um, or if they tell me my pain starts right when I start walking then we stop walking Um, in order for me to get the patient better to that next step getting hold of their movement story I needed to stop that aggravating factor the analogy you use of the the bonfire or somebody pouring lighter fluid onto a fire and just getting to the point where it's like, well, let's just stop pouring fuel onto the fire so that we can deal with the fire itself yep. makes so much sense to me. That, that communicates, I yeah. think, what you're trying to communicate here with this uh, cutting the edge off of the pain is stop pouring something on the fire that's going to make it grow larger than it needs to be right now. You know, I'm also curious to know, um, Evan, if you didn't know the book and you didn't know, you know, what we were talking about when cutting the edge off your pain, how would you cut the edge off your pain? Like, what would you do? A long draw of a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, my mind... Most people will go to supplements or additives or what the word is, but... Exactly, the. The phrase cutting off the edge, uh, that is the first image that comes to my mind is somebody who's like had a stressful day to a certain extent. It's like, I just need to do something that's going to cut the edge off. Uh, That language does bring to mind that type of activity. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have a drink or I'm going to 
have a cigarette or, or whatever that substance is that gets me back to a place where I feel more at ease. Uh, now, I don't think you're recommending those activities for people. Though. Well, okay, so let's, let's talk about this. Yeah. Because again, you know, people are smoking things and drinking things and, and there is like <laughs> sedative relief. You can't knock that off them. But, right. but when it comes down to your movements or your physical activity that's causing your pain, right? You can use these supplements and creams and other things to cut the edge off it. But are you really making... Because we're trying to get you to the point where you're living life again, right? So that might cut the edge off at that immediate moment. We're talking about your own physical activity can actually provoke your pain like lighter fluid. That's the crazy thing because most people think, like, oh, I'm just stressed all day. I'm going to have a drink. And yeah, mm. I'm, I'm sure that works. But if, if walking 10 minutes like makes your knee swell up, the whole point is the more the knee swells, the more changes you get in your body. Your muscle turns off. Your joint gets worn out. You, your hip mechanics change. All of a sudden, your hips start hurting, right? So we're encompassed about getting your physical body moving correctly. We're still physical therapists. We are dealing with musculoskeletal pain. Our goal about this is people to get out of pain, first of all, but also to live an active life. So that our blend of physical therapy is pain and movement, not just pain for sedation purposes, right? So if you want to listen to a whole different podcast about other other things you can do, that's that's on you. But this this we're talking about the physical body who are people who are motivated to get moving, to live a life of taking care of your kids or working or playing a sport or whatever it is that your body needs to physically do. Um, that's what we're talking about. So in that regard, flip back that coin, you can only use some of the additive stuff to change that because you might reduce your pain a little bit, but you need to get your hold of how your body moves. So if your pain provoking factors is walking, playing golf, doing whatever, but you still have to do it. So we, you were just asking before, Evan, like like for runners, especially like runners who are pretty much addicted to running, like this, that runner's high is, is actually a very true statement. Like we don't want to tell people they can't run. Like that's not our goal unless they really have to. And this is really pathologically like wrong. They're going to fracture something, like tell them not to run. But but physical activity, we want people to keep them moving. So to tell them don't move, don't do anything, don't do this, don't bend, don't whatever, that's the last thing we want to do. So we, when we say cut off the edge of pain, it doesn't mean totally shut them down. It means Let's really define what's causing the pain at a time parameter, distance parameter. Runners are very good, like at mile, blah, 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 blah. At this cadence, blah, blah, blah. At golfers, like at hole 12, blah, blah, blah. This shot, this round. Most people are kind of more obsessive with their physical activity. Are you should be cued when it happens. If they don't know, then we'll ask them. And then we'll set up time parameters or some kind of physical parameter. So again, sitting for 20 minutes at your office. Okay. 20 minutes sitting there, and Dara was talking about that. Is that's your aggravating factor? You still need to work. So, so you know, if you stood all day long to get away from sitting, that can also cause a problem too. So, let's have you sit for 10 minutes or 12 minutes. Set a timer. You have to sit there for certain reasons. You have to do a Zoom, the Zoom call. You have to do. You have to sit there in a conference. Try to sit there, but then like time yourself out for 12 minutes and move around. What happens is you do that. You're not. Keep, you're not going to keep poking the bear. Basically, you're not going to be that wider torture. Uh, uh, torture drill we drip 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 on your forehouse and you go crazy like you just reduce that load where really again the analogy of the lighter fluid that lighter fluid stream becomes a little bit less mm -hmm. that's all we're trying to do is just cut the edge off that mass monster thing that keeps pissing it off how can you cut the edge off it doesn't get you out of pain but you stop reducing activity to provoke it yeah, I asked this question purposely to generate this discussion. And also, even being a physical therapist, when I saw how would I cut the edge of pain, my mind immediately went to mm, Tylenol, ibuprofen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, trying to kind of change the narrative is let's not just mask that pain, but we're really trying to get at what things are causing the pain and let's, let's stop it at that point. So only you can know, I mean, in terms of what you're 
hopefully wrote the stuff down uh, through previous episodes or reading the book or just even wrote it down as we just spoke about it. Really take time to really digest that of the things you know that pisses it off, sitting, standing, walking, throwing a ball, whatever it is, and really quantify it as well. Don't just say, oh, it hurts to sit. We want to know when and how, what chair, what surface, what environment, uh, because all this stuff brings context of what's happening. Don't just say, oh, it hurts to sit because that doesn't actually gives you more, like not enough information. Uh, so be really detailed about this, and especially when you're really provoking pain, then really quantify it and then make the change of reducing it by 20%. Especially if you have to do it, cut it down by 20%. And then what you'll find is that the pain will start turning off a little bit over time. It might take a few weeks, uh, you know, a few days, a few weeks. You still might need medications. You still might need injections. You still might need these things. But in terms of ownership of your own body, um, these are things you can do to help reduce it, maybe perhaps along with other medical inventions. So just don't just think, hey, I can sit for eight minutes, also my pain goes away. That's not the case. We're just trying to cut the edge off it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, lo- I love that. Okay. So second phase um, is the idea of getting hold of your movement story. Um, that's the idea of really you taking ownership on it. Um, you have a little more grasp of it. Hopefully with you changing your activities, you're cutting out the edge of it. You've cut down by 20% of things. You find the next week or two, you know, you're not in crazy ceasing pain. Um, you're in some pain still. Um, you've maybe got some medical interventions or things like that. Um, this is where you kind of need a hybrid and need possibly the help of, of other people to help you with certain things. And so we talked about last episode is not only your remnant changes that happen in your body, but also your functional movement. Your arm doesn't raise as high, and that's why your neck hurts. Well, there's only so many things you possibly can do yourself to get your shoulder to move better. Your ankle's stiff, your nerve is tight, you have a dead butt. Um, you might need things or interventions or practitioners to help you uh, improve those things. So this is kind of the, the second part of your movement story is, is changing not only your narrative story and understanding it, but also your, 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 your body's design. So if it's been kind of broken down a bit, changes have happened from previous injuries from ankle sprains and previous back injuries, uh, you might need to have someone like a physical therapist or a doctor, chiropractor, acupuncturist, massage therapist, psychologist to start intervening along with you as well as you making changes yourself um, to get your hips stronger, get yourself more flexible, things like that. And what happens, this is kind of where the, the realm of physical therapy for movement dysfunctions and pain happens, you know, dry needling, nerve movement, uh, muscle, core getting your core stronger. Doing all these things guided by specific um, practitioners is really where transformation happens because you're taking hold of it, you're seeking the right help from the right person, uh, and right practitioner, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm out of pain, and my arm raises higher, or my ankle doesn't pinch as much, or my hip doesn't pinch as much. Uh, you might need a surgery to correct things. You might have something torn. I'm not discounting surgeries and other interventions that are more um, needed, uh, deeper, more um, interventions, um, uh, injections, or uh, stimulators, or anything that kind of really get things moving. I'm all for it. So this is not saying you, you, we can control your pain 100% ourselves, but there are a lot of times uh, as physical therapists, we can do a lot of things to get your body moving properly and you do the right thing yourself. That's when people really feel better. And it's like, wow, I can actually start walking again. I can start playing golf again. I can carry my kid again. I can do the things that was causing pain prior to. I'm feeling less pain or no pain and I'm doing the thing I wanna do. Does that, does that make sense at all, Dara? Do you have any feedback about that at yeah, all? Yeah, I, I view this as the rehabilitation portion of you know what people think physical therapy is. Like you have that first portion that we take in and 
our goal is to get rid of pain and now we're really kind of honing in on um, those impairments like you mentioned like neural tension or uh, muscle imbalances and really trying to rehabilitate at this point and like you said sometimes patients do need surgery and but if we can help ease their pain before they go into surgery my belief is that the outcome post-surgery will be better any thoughts Evan? I don't have any questions on that one. That seems fairly pretty, pretty straightforward. straightforward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, my recommendation is really just to find the right practitioner. So hopefully, actually, this you know, you, Evan, you'd asked about is, is it helpful for people to walk in with more information? Um, in this regard, absolutely. This is even more so now. Not only just your subjective history, but if someone knows that their shoulder's stiff and they 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 can show that how the arm doesn't raise up and things like that, um, there are easy outcomes and you know tangible results that show, hey, your arm raises up and you feel better. Like they get that and they're seeking that help as well and stuff like that. So yeah, very, very straightforward in that regard. Um, in terms of the, the fire, does that analogy continue for this step or does it, is that really exist for that? So uh, in this, I mean, in, in the same off. visual analogy, I mean, by the time, if we've done all our things and addressed the imbalances and the remnant changes of your body and stuff like that, and they feel better, basically in the same analogy, that campfire, not only is the lighter fluid out, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Now the campfire actually is probably gone as well, if not like maybe simmering a little bit, but it's not this blazing bonfire. I mean, the bonfire of, of like this idea of pain is, you know, it might be kind of intermittent where you have pains here and there, but it's way more controllable. You have a grasp of, you have a hold of it. Basically, you, you know how, you know what will piss it off. Yeah. So it's not that you're going to be 100% pain free. Uh, there might be some things you just know you probably shouldn't do uh, because that will provoke your pain. Or if you do, you know how to address it quickly. So these are things you, you got a hold of it. You have ownership. Um, pain does happen just because we finally fixed it for the first episode. A year later, it might come back, but at least you can say, well, I know why exactly, exactly it happened. So this is where we go from uh, having an actual flame to maybe the flame being gone. But if, if some, somebody were to come poke, like I'm thinking of an actual campfire, yeah. the flame goes away. But if I take a stick and start poking it, that's all it takes for that fire to, to, come, to yeah. come right back. So and everybody's different. That, yeah, that every stage. case is different. Okay. Some people are completely pain-free and they, they are completely resolved. No. You know, pain, there, there are certain things that can happen over time. But again, yeah. This you know idea of unresolved pain is the notion that people have no clue what's happening. They have no way of getting hold of it. They have no way of controlling it. They don't know what to do. They try different things and they're in desperation. That that's that's still the reference point we're talking about. So anyone in that kind of state who has episodes of where they're not painful and they have small little, you know sparks here and there, they'll, they'll take that all day long. If we can get them to that point, you know we've done our job two thirds of the way. So the, the third phase actually, in our hope um, as physical therapists, most. Physical therapists, I don't know a lot of physical therapists who decide to be in physical therapy just because of chronic pain. That, that's, I, that's, <laughs> that's usually most physical therapists going to PT because like they want to play sports and they yeah. want to, they want to you know, see people run and on the soccer field and all these different things. That's, that's usually kind of, they're more drawn into like, let's get them back from this injury and get them back running again. Like that's idea of like thriving again. It's the idea of move forward. So third phase is we call it moving forwards and thriving. Uh, we are motivators by trade, by physical therapists. We want to help people. We don't want to, we want to help them get out of pain, but ultimately I, our biggest joy, I'm sure Dari, you'd agree too. Like my ultimate goal is like to see them like get living life again. They're like, Oh yes. my God, Keelan, look at this picture. I would, I hiked the Grand Canyon. I did it. I was, you know, two years ago, I was in massive pain, but now I'm doing this. And this, I couldn't even do this before I was in pain. Like that's the ultimate turnaround. If it's like, like before I was in massive pain, I could only walk like five miles. Now I ran a marathon. Like that's, that gets us pumped up in our profession that we're actually got them out of pain by actually doing things even more, better. Yeah, but you're performing yeah. better than they even expected. That is like the ultimate reward as a physical therapist. 100%. Um, is do that way. So the idea is is in this phase as a physical therapist, you know, we're we're trying to cut your pain out, get you out of desperation mode. 
we're trying to control it. You got ownership. You know what's got, what's going on with it. Some people actually surprisingly, um, well, a lot of people would say, "Good, I'm ready to go again. Start training me. I'm gonna get a trainer. I'm gonna build it up." Blah blah blah. You'd be surprised. There are actually a lot of people who are like, "I feel a lot better. I'm not gonna do that again. I will never, yeah. ever, ever do that ever again. Whatever it be, you know." I'm trying to think of, you think of analogy, Dara, but that kind of, we talked about fear avoidance. Yeah. Um, and maybe there are, there are some things that certain people shouldn't do based upon who they are, body mechanics, different injuries, and we'll educate the person about that stuff. But there's a psychological fear there that we hope that people, as they understand their body, how their pain came about, what remnant changes they've dealt with, um, how their body has moved in, inherently over time, and they've made these improvements and everything looks all like engines go like green light go and they're like nope not doing it and it's like no 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 like like we want you to be of cheer of good hope and know that you can test the waters even if it flares up a little bit if your goal is to start dancing again and start living again doing different things we want to help you get there uh and get there so dar i want you chime in there i'd love to get your feedback about that yeah definitely and i think that this is in that rehabilitation component where we're showing patients things are getting better and we're starting to progress them in certain ways but we do find that barrier where the patient is just like i don't want to run again because that hurt my knee um so i think there's a, a tactfulness and a rehabilitation progression that we can go into to kind of move them forward um, and get them to that level they once were at pending like you said brian if there's no other pathology that is hindering us from getting there i see so many correlations between what we're talking about in all of these episodes as it relates to uh, unresolved pain and physical therapy to other areas of life I, i once talked to a financial advisor who works with people they may have maybe working with a financial advisor because of a, a specific instance in their mm, life sure. with their finances and and this particular advisor is like i help people get out of those situations just using these financial principles and then we get to a place maybe later in their career where it's like hey you're good you can retire like you don't need to be work like enjoy what we just worked so hard to get and so he's he, the analogy he gave me is like you know, they're, they feel like they're in handcuffs for their life because of their finances. And he works with them and then takes those handcuffs off, but they still walk around yep. yes. as if they're, as if they have handcuffs yes. on. And it's yeah. like the goal of a financial advisor or the, or the goal of a physical therapist is not just to get you to a place where you, uh, are not in pain anymore or, or in debt or whatever that circumstance yeah, right. might be. But it's like, you're trying to help people thrive and live and enjoy the thing that they've just worked so hard to do. I love that analogy. I like that you. was awesome, Evan. You nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> so, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. So we're talking about this um, the idea of, of you know you're, you're you're that fear kind of avoidant person. You're kind of afraid. You're kind of you still feel like you're handcuffed uh, to. You're afraid that the pain is going to happen. Uh, don't blame you at all. I mean, that, that right. unceasing pain is is never want to experience uh, anyone to experience that. So you have rightful due to do to think that and to, to believe that. Um, but uh, with the tools we've given you, that's why just you know just feeling better all of a sudden you feel better, but you don't really know why it happened. You're more likely to you know right. flare yourself back up. Yeah. So that's why through this whole movement story, understanding what provoked it, what caused it, what your body changed over time, knowing all these different things. My guess and my my clinical ed, uh, you know assessment and, and and guess would be that that you're most likely that you're not going to flare yourself the way you used to because you're more educated in what's happening. So you're probably going to think twice about playing the extra round of golf or carrying certain bags of groceries because you know it pissed you off. 
But as you start getting stronger and getting things moving better, you should be able to do more and more and more. Um, one example, I'll bring this example of this patient who um, had chronic pain and he uh, quantified his pain upon the floor rugs he had in his house. And somehow we got in this conversation. I said, okay, when does your pain hurt? So we talked about aggravating factors. He goes, my pain hurts when I vacuum my floor rugs. I got them everywhere in my house. They piss me off because every time I vacuum, <laughs> throws my back out. And I'm like, okay, how many floor rugs do you have? I've got 12. Okay, when does it hurt? It hurts when I do first, the, after I vacuum my first five of them, then I start hurting. But I keep doing the 12, my pain kills my back after I, okay. So same, this is this whole process, right? So we talked about it. Okay, Mr. So-and-so, I said, I said, let's have you vacuum three rugs and just stop. Don't even vacuum five. What? I need to vacuum, it needs to be done. I need to finish it. No, no, no. And he explained to him why at five rugs, your body starts breaking down in terms of muscle patterns, blah, 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 psychological, there's all these different things that happen, right? Okay, so for the next two weeks, vacuum three rugs. He's like, okay. I said, promise me, just, and he's kind of like, I have, so it's almost like an OCD. Like, I have, you don't, that can, you can wait till later that day. Finish next three, finish next three, now you have done 12 and then four, four cycles, right? Fine, so it made him commit to it, it's really hard for him to commit, so there's a psychological kind of need to do it, but we finally got through that. So he did three rugs, three rugs, three rugs, and he finally came back two weeks later, he goes, huh, my pain's a little bit different than it used to be. My, my back doesn't hurt as much as it used to. I'm like, that's interesting, he goes, seriously? <laughs> I said, seriously, and so he's okay. So he said, we have to get you stronger. Your butt's weak, your core's weak, your back is stiff, you have neural tension, like different things. We address these things, figure that out. Said, okay, I'm feeling better now. All right, Mr. So-and-so, let's have you vacuum five rugs. But it might hurt though, right? That's, he's like, but it might hurt. I said, no, no, let's, let's see what happens. Five rugs, comes back, goes, holy smokes. I just vacuumed five rugs and it did not hurt. We're like, okay, got it, you did five rugs. Praise God, hallelujah. So at five rugs, okay, stay there for a minute. Just figure five rugs, five rugs for a couple of weeks. Got him stronger, got different things moving, different changes he had in his body. Okay, so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, let's start vacuuming all 12. Let's you know, go to eight, go to nine, sort of pacing the strategy upwards. And over you know, three, four weeks at a time, he came back, he goes, you won't believe, I just vacuumed <laughs> all 12 of my rugs. I am in this glee of hope, right? So this glee of hope, like, I am so happy, I'm not in pain, and I did all 12 rugs. He was like, I can't believe I did that, right? So that's is that kind of a weird, weird story, but that, that's as, as you know, people, we've talked so much about sports, and there's a lot of people in the view here yeah. who didn't play sports. I want to give this, uh, the story just to make sure that the daily stuff in your house, washing dishes, taking care of kids, changing diapers, wherever it is, washing your car, there are sedentary things. Most people in chronic pain, it's not about the sport, it's about mm -hmm. just life. Uh, and so I want to give that story to, to you to like the vacuuming, like if it's really important to you or needs to be done, like let's figure it out. Let's cut off the edge. Let's kind of get a hold of it, address the issues, and then let's start building into it. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, Brian. It just, it, you know, seeing you get so passionate and happy about these stories, it's like this is what we live for. This third step is kind of moving forward and seeing them thrive. And one of the, now that you're mentioning this story, for me, it, we do talk about sports a lot and, you know, just how those activities can um, affect pain. But the best one for me is like, honestly, the, the grandmother who's like, I can pick my grandchild up again and my shoulder doesn't hurt i mean mm. that like that those are the stories that we sort of you know just strive for to to be able to get even just patients um moving forward and thriving i mean those things that really help the quality of life like i want people to live better 
And if they if that if that means picking up their grandchild, like that's the best story I can get from a patient. I'll make one last comment. Thanks, Dara. Um, mm-hmm. I think one last comment in terms of I think we phrased it to the idea of like someone's fearful of moving forward. Um, you have to pace yourself and get some small victories would be two rugs at a time and, and build that up. So pace yourself to build it up and probably yes. work with somebody to have the right training regimen or, or discipline of setting up the parameters of how far can I go before I hurt it yes. and what's good pain and what's bad pain. So you might get a little achy there and not be freaking out about it. So you might need someone to help you talk that through, through with you. On the flip side, um, you know, you and I, Dara, we work with a lot of type A personalities. Yeah. So once they're out of pain, they're like, okay, green light go. I'm ready to go again. I'm out of pain. And boom, they go again. So on the flip side, be careful for those who are type A personalities who are really go-getters. Just because you're out of pain doesn't mean you go out and, and burst out the seam again and get going. So we talk about this third phase about thriving again. Thriving is not just about pushing harder again. It's understanding what your body can, bodies can physically do, understanding what your remnant changes are still lingering if you have any, or restrictions or imbalances knowing what your body can handle and pace yourself, train yourself to achieve within those, I don't say limits, that's the wrong word to use for someone's type A, but knowing what your parameters are so that you can keep thriving and push it at a high level. And you'll be surprised rather than revving the engine super hard, keep going, keep going, and you break down again, you actually start hitting the ball better. You start lifting higher weights than you did before because you actually address your asymmetries or different things you had going on with your body yeah, um, one of my biggest joys is golf. I love golf, and you know most people come in here like a stiff hip, their back hurts. Not only are we treating the back to make the pain feel better in their back, we improve their hip mechanics to swing the ball better, and they come back and say, "Holy smokes! Like I'm out of pain, but I actually hit the ball ten yards farther than I did before." But it took a regimen of building their training regimen up to handle that strength and range of motion, not just hey you feel better, go swing the ball harder, and you're gonna hurt yourself again. So we've taught people how to you know golf train correctly, practice correctly, professional golfers especially, just learning to not go after it right away. Um, build yourself, your tolerance. Again, this is like, this is kind of a no-brainer, kind of straight cutting stuff. Like I've even worked at personal trainers, performance trainers. Um, we still are physical therapists. We do a lot of performance kind of therapy stuff, no doubt, but work at high-level performance trainers as well to get them to achieve their body mechanics, recovery stuff. This is the fun world of recovery science and nutrition and anti-inflammatory diets, all these things that improve your uh, capacity to handle more load or more more capacity to thrive that's a whole other dimension to actually maximize your potential so that's you know well that's a multidisciplinary approach i'll stay out of that one but um, um just know that we are part of that that, that process definitely we hope after this podcast that you understand the three phases that we've gone through to redefine your movement story if you're in pain there's hope Thanks for listening to the Unresolved Podcast, harnessing your movement story to end chronic pain. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy this podcast, we think you'd enjoy the book by the same title written by Dr. Brian Yee, Unresolved, harnessing your movement story to end chronic pain, now available on Amazon. You can download a free chapter by going to brianyee.com. B-R-I-A-N-Y-E-E dot com. And remember, if you're in pain, there is hope.